0: Paramount Pictures presents Mia Farrow in a William Castle production, Rosemary's Baby. Co-starring John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer, Morris Evans, and Ralph Bellamy. Written for the screen and directed by Roman Polanski. From the best-selling novel by Ira Levin. Suggested for mature audiences. Happy Halloween from Horror on the Rocks. On tonight's episode, Frank and Joe debate horrible husbands in horror movies and review the 1968 classic Rosemary's Baby. They're coming for you, Barbara. <laughs> Look! There comes one of them now! <laughs> Welcome Welcome to episode three of Horror on the Rocks. Yeah,
1: thanks for tuning back in. Frank, I was just thinking that I want to come up with a new signature catchphrase. Okay. A a greeting instead of welcome, which works, but it's been done. I think we can think of something (laughs) fun to do. So. right. Anyway, to the drawing board yeah. with the intro. So, horror, are you doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what you want to catch? You like my little, uh, maybe? Oh, geez. That was one of the
1: titles of the podcast that <laughs> never was it Wasn't that, horror one the, are you doing? Was that one
0: of the proposals? I don't know. We went through so many things there were a that just ton. had horror in the title. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, okay, well then, yeah. Maybe we do need a new catchphrase. So how sure. are you doing, I'm Frank? doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, We are recording this on Monday, October 29th, but you guys will be listening to this on Halloween. Yeah. So yeah. happy Halloween. Happy
1: Halloween, folks. And
0: cheers. Um, and what are you drinking over there? Yes, well, we're both sharing tonight. We're breaking the rules. It only took us two episodes before we completely abandoned the rules in the name of the podcast on the rocks. Tonight, we are sharing... Uh, A beer, a really delicious beer that goes well with the theme and the topic of this podcast. We are drinking the Rosemary's Baby uh, Pumpkin Ale from Two Roads Brewing.
1: Yeah, it's very fitting. It's a pumpkin beer, and the name of the beer is perfect for today's episode because we will be discussing Rosemary's Baby. Yes, uh, yes. We're both um, sharing
0: this. It's a beer beer I actually really like. I think it's one of the more interesting pumpkin beers because... Some of them kind of just taste like pumpkin pie and others of them taste like beer that just has like a little pumpkin flavor. Yeah. They do this beer in rum barrels and they like flavor it with vanilla. So it has like a really interesting profile, I think, uh, out there. Yeah. And uh, I also have this really cool glass that I have to shout out my, my good friend, Andrew, who got it for me. I think he got it for me from Two Roads Brewing, but Two Roads made an awesome logo of the uh, of the carriage that has been iconically associated with Rosemary's Baby and made a o' lantern out of it. So uh, maybe I'll put that on Instagram. You guys can. There see, you go. See this gift I got. But yeah, so um, those are that's what we're drinking this evening. I think we have an awesome episode. Yeah, we have uh, a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, um, but before we do that, corrections from last episode. Okay. We, always, we strive for accuracy, yes, even though we're super Yeah, and excellence. Wrong. Chloe Grace Moretz, Moretz. not Mortez. Okay. Uh, I said The Shining came out in the mid 70s. It did not, it came out in 1980. Uh, Um, The Babadook is 98% certified fresh on Rotten rotten Tomatoes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That will be a correction for next week (laughs) on how to pronounce Tomatoes.
0: (laughs) The Babadook is 98% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, But the audience score, I said it was in the 90s or 80s. It's a 72, which is more in line with how I feel about that movie. Oh, wow. Um, and, And the last thing is... I don't know if it's a correction, but we got pretty close on how to pronounce Luca Guadagnino's name, the director of Suspiria, and um, right, call me by your name. Yes, we were discussing that. Pretty close. I googled Italian pronunciations. I saw an interview where someone asked him, and I, we got pretty close. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, before the, we get to our, Oh, go ahead. Did no, you? Have I was any, gonna
1: say, did you want to give it another go?
0: It's. I think it is. I. I what I want. I to just do, want to hear you say <laughs> it again. And make it's fun of It's Luca Guadagnino. But the it, problem is it's Italian, so it's got a G right next to an N. So you're supposed to pronounce that guadagnino, or like, like a gnocchi. Uh, okay. like gnocchi. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to cut that part out. Um, okay. But before we get to our debate list tonight, which we have a really fun uh, debate list. Yeah. By the way, before before we get further, I think this goes without saying, but the movie that we're going to review at each episode is going to be completely spoiled. So you really should watch the movie before uh, before you listen to this podcast. I think it'll be I think it'd be more fun experience to kind of listen to what we have to say about it after you've seen the movie. Yeah. Of course, you can certainly go see it after, but
1: right. So if you don't want to be spoiled, now's your warning to stop listening. Support us later on after you have watched yes. the show or the movie, and then come back. But yeah. yeah. Um, so
0: we're gonna review Rosemary's Baby tonight, and the the list that we're gonna do is going to be Horrible Husbands because Guy Woodhouse is a terrible husband in this movie. But before we get to that, just a little more Halloween. Again, happy Halloween, Joe. Oh,
1: thank you. Cheers.
0: We got to mention what a killing... How the new Halloween movie is making in theaters right now. It is number one in the box office for the second straight weekend. It did 32 million last weekend, it's done 126 million in 10 days. 79% Seventy nine percent certified fresh, seventy six audience approval. Um, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so I saw
0: it last week and yeah. uh, enjoyed it very much. So yeah, we'll I'm go- dive into it maybe
1: in a future episode, definitely. Um, but yeah, I I was impressed. Jamie Lee Curtis kicked some ass. She oh, is I can't wait. forced to be reckoned with, and it's a very layered emotional movie there's a lot of depth to it so can't wait i loved it um
0: the other crazy thing that happened this weekend is suspiria opened in two theaters nationwide one in new york city one in los angeles and uh set the 2018 record for let me get this right the uh set the record for highest per theater, average box office sales. So basically just in two theaters, one in LA and one in New York city, it did $179,000. They're gonna roll it out in 250 theaters uh, nationwide. I think this Friday, yeah, but been... in Philly, it starts playing on Halloween.
1: Okay, yes, yeah, so it's wide release this weekend. Yeah. I thought Child's Play held the record, though, this year for the <laughs> highest earning <laughs> or the second highest. Uh, I, don't theater, so. uh... Uh, I don't think so.
0: I don't think so. um
1: It did dominate the box office oh, so in 1980. It wasn't, it wasn't behind Nightmare on Elm Street part. as <laughs> <before. laughs> the highest grossing uh, of oh, 2018.
0: Um, the last thing uh before we get into tonight's list, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah um there's a bunch of halloween music that's out yeah um joe what are you listening to
1: so there's this album that um is on spotify that i'm enjoying it's by kim petrus german singer and it is a halloween inspired album which i thought was pretty cool because i haven't found a halloween ish album in a while maybe they're out there i just didn't know but it's fun it's spooky it's definitely more of a poppy album it's called "Turn Off the Light," Volume One. There's a song where she has Elvira featured on it. Um, yeah, so it's definitely a fun, you know, Halloween album just to jam to if you're looking for something yeah. light.
0: Cool. I will. Uh, I will check that out. How the, about you? Anything the only on the only uh, Halloween music that I think I got to oh. mention is there's a DJ that I very much like. He goes by RL Grime, which is obviously a play on St- RL Stein. <laughs> but every year he does like an hour, an hour and a half mix of his music and some new stuff and stuff that's particularly Halloween like focused. Um, and this year's mix came out on Friday, October 26th. It's called oh. Halloween Seven. Um, it is so he's been doing this for seven years now. Um, it is available on SoundCloud. That's the only place I know to get it, okay. which is also one of the many places that you can find this podcast. This <laughs> fine podcast. Uh, yes, this fine podcast. Um but I listen to it on the car on the way over and it is just absolute just like it's just great kind of uh yeah, it's just fun. Awesome. Yeah. All right. But uh yeah, so that's that's what we got for you for Halloween. I hope you guys are having a good one. Oh yeah, the one other thing I wanted to mention Um, If you guys are carving jack-o'-lanterns, I can't recommend this website called zombiepumpkins.com anymore. Um, They have great stencils. And they only charge, like, a dollar a stencil. I've made them a couple years running now. I made two this year. Which ones did you I made, make this year? I made a Thriller jack-o'-lantern. So it's, like, Michael Jackson's face after he gets turned. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, the, the other one was just called Bloody Mary. So it's, like, a woman's face, and she's kind of scary, and she's, like, bleeding from the eyes. Oh. Um, I think they came out pretty good. I'll take a picture of them, put them on the Instagram, too. But, yeah. yeah uh, zombiepumpkins.com. You should totally give me some stencils for free yeah. next year for <laughs> plugging your awesome website yes um, we you guys are happily shit. welcome sponsors yes, yes wink wink
1: nudge nudge yeah for uh yeah well it's not like a wink wink nudge nudge they said it out loud <laughs> and you can't see me winking physical or... wink wink <laughs> nudge nudge just Got sponsor it. us now um all right so let's dive into it rosemary's yeah. baby um, um well
0: before we do rosemary's oh, baby yeah. let's do our list tonight Oh, we do lists. <laughs> yeah, jeez, Joe, we haven't had that much. There's to drink so many yet.
1: things to do before the. Actual- uh, okay. Okay,
0: right. so, um, but so we're gonna talk about Rosemary's Baby. Uh, but before we get to reviewing Rosemary's Baby, let's do tonight's list.
1: Yeah, and if you didn't catch it, it's horrible husband. So we're Uh-oh. just loving the play on words yeah, this we're, episode. We're hitting the puns a little too hard
0: tonight, I think. So we intentionally made it uh, like kind of broad. Um, we initially started with. Um, saying horrible husbands looking for husbands that were particularly terrible to their wives or killers to their wives but we then we kind of made it a little bit bigger because some of these some of these are more like terrible fathers or maybe even terrible significant others and we don't want to limit it because there's lots
1: of uh family dynamics you have to be a married couple where the male if there's a male in, in the family who's horrible so we don't want to limit it just to the husband yeah. so there are a lot of movies with horrible husbands yeah. so um so, my first movie is the Amityville Horror. Damn it. So, you had that one on your yes, list? Yes, I had that one on my list. Okay. I yeah. had the Ryan Reynolds remake, though, from like mid to late oh, 2000s. Oh,
0: see, I was absolutely thinking James Brolin, the original okay. one. All right. Um, yeah, from 1979. All right. But, uh, yeah, I mean. So, we could pretend they're yeah, different. Yeah, guess it's two different movies. Way, even though
1: oh. it's essentially the same plot. Yeah, um but, but yeah, in um, this movie as many of you may know, um supposedly based on true events, but this haunted house, um the father figure who's actually the stepfather, um becomes possessed by the spirit, wreaks havoc, terrorizes the family. Um, Ryan Reynolds plays this character. He's shirtless a lot in the remake. It actually has, <laughs> and it has Chloe Grace Moretz yes, as a little kid. His, so daughter, full circle. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was one of his first dips, I think, into the horror genre too. So it was cool to see him play uh, something else yeah. b- besides, you know, like the Van Wilder characters that he was yeah. known for. All right. So you have yeah. Amityville Horror also. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I could kind of talk about it too. Um, Amityville Horror was definitely a horror movie that I saw like pretty young early on on the list. And it's got one of my favorite things is it's actually based on a true story. Like some of this stuff happened. It's also the, did you know the Amityville horror house that killing was investigated by the couple that the conjuring is about? No. Yeah, like in their paranormal investigating career, which wow. they, the Warrens apparently were real people that investigated paranormal activity yeah. that people reported to them. They they investigated this uh, the killings or, or okay. you know, the stuff that happened at that house. The more you know. The more you know. Yeah. Um, so, okay, for my first movie, um, I am going to go as since you took Amityville Horror, check that off. Um, I got to go with uh, Robert Thorne. In The Omen, Gregory Peck. Oh, now, okay. Now, uh, hear me out on this one. Obviously, m- most of The Omen. Gregory Peck's character Robert Thorne, is trying to figure out what's happening, and he's trying to figure out what's going on here. But the reason why there isn't even is a movie happening <laughs> is because his wife, in the like the very beginning of the movie, sadly gives uh, stillbirth, or she loses yeah, her child in childbirth. So they tell him, and the nuns at the church hospital tell him, "Your baby's died." Before we go, tell your wife. Do you want to just have this other baby that a a mom died in childbirth is leaving? It's a
1: little questionable. Uh. (laughs)
0: At at no point does he go, you know, who knows? Let me go talk to my wife and see if maybe – We'll take right. this as a sign of her. No, he just, he, he does Agreed not tell her. Yeah, he doesn't tell her. I, I can't yeah. even remember. Does she ever find out before she meets don't her demise? I
1: but it's the kind of thing you'd want to run by your partner. <laughs> Probably. Like, you know. So yeah. that
0: that just seemed like the worst husband move I could think of. Yeah, so. that's a good one. Yeah. Um,
1: so my next one is The Stepfather. Have you ever seen that one? I
0: have heard of it. I've okay. never actually seen it.
1: So it stars Terry O'Quinn, um, pre-Lost um, TV show. And he plays this serial killer, essentially, who targets single women who have children and families and sort of marries into the family and then tries to just off them. So um, there were three of them in like the late 80s, early 90s. They did a remake, um, as they've done with a lot of these as Uh we're going over them. I haven't seen the remake,
0: but... um, yeah, he's a pretty terrible uh, human being. So, uh, okay, so for my next one, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I actually don't know if he's a husband. He's the only one I can't remember. But the uh, the the boyfriend or husband, uh, his name's Mika in Paranormal Activity. Oh, Do you remember seeing that movie? Yeah. So Mika. throughout this movie. She the the uh the the wife or the girlfriend, I think her Katie? name is Katie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um throughout the movie, she figures out that they're being haunted a lot quicker. By the way, spoiler, uh I guess I mean, yeah. uh, if you're watching paranormal activity, um but she – he, like, really patronizes her. He he also makes a bunch of bad decisions that aren't good for what he should have realized was a haunting situation. Um, he brings a Ouija board into the house just to stir things up a bit. Yeah, that's never going to go well. Yeah, brings the Ouija, bring a Ouija, board Ouija board in. Um, she wants to leave the house until she gets possessed and wants to stay. Um but yeah, he's just hes just not helpful to the situation. They were never going to survive the horror movie uh, situation they found themselves in when he was too prioritized with uh, filming instead of taking care of the fam. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah that's a good one. Um, my final one is The Shining. Uh, and I mainly put this in the list yes. because you already used it last time and you hit your quota. So well, well, I'm just dangling this in front of you. <laughs> it but man. it does fit in with this thing list perfectly um as you know we have jack nicholson's character who um is not the greatest father after (laughs) they're you know staying in this hotel for the winter um he goes after his family with an axe, he's trying yeah. to kill him, he's going through some other stuff, but uh, and he uh he's just simply terrifying. Yeah. He's yeah, the yeah. scariest father husband so,
0: that I can possibly think of. He's a fairly horrible father yeah. Um, yeah.
1: and husband. So yeah, that's yeah. that rounds out my list. What's your third so, one? So
0: I gotta move into my my bonus category here since you took Amityville Horror. Um, but I'm gonna go with Twenty Eight Weeks Later, which uh-huh. is the sequel to Twenty Eight Days Later. Have you seen it? Yeah. Um, I have not seen it in a very, very long time. I actually rewatched a couple clips from it today um, to make sure it was the movie I was thinking of. But essentially, um, you know, spoilers coming at you about this movie. Uh, the character that survives at the end of the first movie, Don and his wife, uh, are, are holed up in a house. And when the second movie picks up, eventually the zombies get in. And at the time when they're trying to get away from the house, the mom, he just totally deserts the mom wife completely. She's begging for him to stay. She's actually yelling, please help us. And he like looks her dead in the eyes and he sees the zombies and he takes off. And he leaves. He just leaves her totally for dead. Lies to characters later in the movie about her whereabouts. Yeah. They end up finding her later. She's not dead. She's like, uh, she can carry the zombie virus without showing symptoms. So she's alive. He begs her for forgiveness for deserting her. And then he kisses her. And he then gets the virus and kills her and while then, she's tied to a gurney. Yep. He that's, frips her eyeballs out. That's how it ends. That is, um, that is a, that's a pretty terrible husband. Yeah, deserts you, and then you manage to survive, and he ends up killing you because he's dumb. That's rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. on that note... Those uh, are the most horrible husbands we <laughs> can think of, except for Guy Woodhouse.
1: Yeah, that leads us into this gem of a husband. So, uh, <laughs> Rosemary's Baby came out in 1968, uh, starring Mia Farrow as Rosemary, um, directed by Roman Polanski. And before, I guess, we dive into this, we understand yeah. Roman Polanski... Comes a lot. There's a lot of baggage with that name. Yeah, there's an 800
0: pound gorilla on the podcast. Yeah, so he uh, Roman uh, Polanski's rap sheet.
1: Yeah, so he pled guilty uh, to unlawful sex with a minor back in 1977. Fled to Paris and has been pretty much hiding out there since. Um, And he's actually won an Oscar, I think. Yeah, no, he did. Though he was Um, recently voted out of the Academy of Motion Pictures. I was glad to see that. Yeah, yeah. So. um, Certainly
0: yeah.
1: not yeah. um he, I fan. mean, he's had
0: kind of a crazy life. Um, his first wife, Sharon Tate, was killed by the Manson family. I thought they were married. They were married. She was eight and a half months pregnant with his kid. Yeah. But they were married, though? I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, either way, they were living together. She got killed. She and her friends get killed in right. a house that was hers and Roman Polanski's. Um, and yeah, I got to be honest with you, Joe. Like I saw... <laughs> So that happens to him, but, like, when it comes to the allegations that, that led to him leaving the country in the late 70s... Well, he played and, guilty, too. Yeah, and, well, like, and yeah. since then, a bunch of other women have come out and said yeah. in the 70s and 80s he did that,
1: but... So we are certainly troubled by it. Yeah. We are not fans of him, of course, in any way, per- personal-wise, you know, or personally, yeah. you know, what he did with his in his personal life, but I guess... This movie is such an important, significant movie in the horror world, and yeah. it's such an influential movie and a huge movie. We really want to focus on that, and we certainly understand there's this aspect of the movie, yeah. given you know who the director is. But um, yeah,
0: especially because part of what part of what makes this movie so interesting is how it was made. Yeah. So we have to talk about it a little bit. But, there, but it, uh, it comes yeah. with this. He's a, this he's history not a great and person. Baggage. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but anyway, he directed and. Um, adapted the screenplay,
1: and Mia Farrow, who plays Rosemary, wasn't the original um, choice to play her, yeah. but they ended up going with her, and she does a phenomenal job. So, yeah. um, again, this came out in 1968, made 33.4 million dollars. It was a really critically praised movie at the time, and it's yeah. since just become even, you know, more popular, and has kind of cemented itself as this um, really influential, critical darling in the horror world. But yeah, um, so. The movie takes place in New York City. Yep. Um, we have this couple, this young couple. Guy is the husband. Mm-hmm. Rosemary is the wife. Um, he's sort of an up-and-coming actor. Still, you know, He's done a few plays, but he's not really hitting the big time yet. Rosemary is, is his kind of faithful, devoted wife who's there to support him. They are looking to buy a new place, and they tour um, this... Uh, apartment building they look at this condo and they love it because it's, they it's love it. an yeah. impossibly
0: huge new york city apartment in this beautiful building yeah. uh where john lennon was shot in front of that building oh shit. The, the bramford hotel or really, whatever right. it's called huh. yeah
1: so after they view it they're chatting with their friend hutch who i never really understood how they know him i don't know if he's
0: i thought he was the landlord but yeah. maybe not they might have just been friends that could be
1: it so Hutch is like, oh, wait, that's the house that you – or that's the apartment building that you went to? There's yeah. this really dark history in yeah, this apartment building. He there appears are-
0: to be the uh, the registered historian of the Brantford Odell. <laughs> He's an expert. Because on- he knows everything that happened, the year it happened, the yeah. people that were involved. <laughs> so he talks about
1: how there are these two sisters that lived in the building. They would cook up the children. There was some witchcraft being practiced in here. And then he quotes says. There's a high incident of unpleasant happenings. Uh, so if someone is telling me all those warnings about a place that I'm gonna potentially live in, for me at least, I'd hear that and I'd be like, no. <laughs> I, as much as I was feeling it, uh, let me do a little more follow-up research. Yep. But like based on that, a high incident of unpleasant happenings, I'm out of there. That, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna commit to this. It should place. ring some bells. Would I always... you? Would you still go with like? What if it was your dream
0: place? Like, Would yeah. you still do it? It would mean it would be kind of hard not to. Even right, if there it, was a
1: history of witchcraft and
0: all this <sighs> crazy all right. dark stuff. If you showed me that apartment in New York City and I can afford it and the only issue was that somebody had practiced witchcraft there, that would not stop me.
1: Yeah. So um,
0: they eventually
1: move into the apartment because how would this be a movie if, if and how don't. would the
0: plot further itself if they didn't? Yeah. So
1: they move in and... You know, they're redecorating, they're setting it all up, and then Rosemary befriends this woman, Teresa, in the yes. basement, this creepy, dark basement. This woman, Teresa, is doing her laundry. They strike up a conversation, become friendly, and she notices that Teresa's wearing this charm around her neck and it has this really foul odor. And Teresa's like, oh yeah, it's for good luck or something. It has tannis root in it. Mm. And it's given to me by the Cas- castivettes?
0: Yes, the, the Castavets.
1: Cast who are this elderly couple that lives in the apartment building, um, and Teresa's like, "Oh, they're such great people. They took me in," mm-hmm. um, and that kind of sets up, you know, this yeah. introduction to the
0: Castavets. So and they, they quickly meet them because Minnie Castavet, I think that's her name, just shows up unannounced at their door. And well, she's- they
1: first meet her when Teresa dies. <laughs> Is so, that the first time they yeah. meet? Oh, so yeah. Teresa
0: dies yeah. suspiciously, and they, this they is, arrive to the hotel, and the police are there. Yeah, and they're like, "There's been this, you know, this this
1: death. And it looks like Teresa jumped out a window or killed herself." Yeah. and that's a thing that they never really explain how Teresa died, but we know it's Teresa because she a has total loose end in this movie. Yeah, right? and that was one of my issues with it. But she had the charm necklace, so of course Rosemary's like, "Oh my gosh, I know where yeah. I just saw her." Mm-hmm. And my, not my favorite part, but what was so messed up is that Mrs. and Mr. Castavet see Teresa dead. They're like, oh, okay. They don't really show that much emotion. But Mrs. Castavet goes, oh, I, I guess maybe she was just cleaning windows. Yeah. Or cleaning the windows, and that's how she fell out. Yeah. It was like 1 a.m. I doubt she was cleaning windows. Yeah. And
0: does yeah. cleaning a window mean... Uh, just, it, there, the Castavet, though... Something suspicious. Because we have suspicious. Roman and Minnie Castavet are... So they're so good in this movie because they are yeah. kooky in an uncomfortable way, but they're just normal enough that you that you could kind of believe how the um of of how the Woodhouses get kind of sucked into being friends with them. Yeah, they, you,
1: they really balance. They they find that like that nice balance between like being. Like the sweet older couple yeah. that's like really helpful and they care. But yeah, then, but just then there's much. like something off and a yeah. little twist. And you start to see that emerge as the movie goes on. You're like, yeah. this is a little too good to be true. Yeah.
0: And before we leave Teresa, I, I am not basing this on anything I've read. I assume that Teresa was a failed attempt at making a mother for a demon baby. Because she was wearing the Tannis root. That's what the that's what the cast of vets give to Rosemary to like prep her body for the... For the you know what is going to happen yeah. to her, I assume because Teresa was wearing that same pendant with that same tannis root in it, that she was she was somebody they were trying to flip. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, the
1: cast of kind of take in Rosemary and Guy. They become really good friends with yeah. them. And they are really interested in Rosemary's desire to have a child, and that's yeah. something that Rosemary and Guy want. They want a child. They yeah. want children. And he is
0: him. not uh, eager in the beginning, right? Um, and part of it, one of the kind of overrunning kind of tones is in the beginning of the movie, is that Guy is an actor, and he's not a specifically successful one. He does plays and he's in a motorcycle commercial it looks like but he's really trying to break it big he's very worried about the price of the apartment when they're apartment shopping um and there's always this kind of anxiousness in guy about kind of being a, a starving artist and not really you know his acting career was not taking off when we first start this movie I guess something to know about this podcast, this particular movie, is that I have seen it many, many times, and I got to go back and watch it with kind of new eyes to an extent to try to make a show out of it. Joe had never seen this movie until what last week?
1: Yeah, I just saw it for the first time uh, last night. I finally finished it. <laughs> so, um, did you
0: suspect guy throughout the movie?
1: Yeah, you you always. Did. I think I've I think yeah. I've seen enough movies now where. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of had a feel, I had a hunch. Yeah. I had a hunch. Because I thought it was too coincidental that... So his main... Uh, you know, his rival... Um, all of a sudden became blind Yeah, and then, you know, guy gets the part in the play that he really wants. Yeah. Um, um
0: so interesting thing about him, he wasn't originally who, uh, like Roman Polanski wanted to play guy. He wanted Robert Redford to play, uh, to play guy, which he, would have been really interesting. And he briefly considered Jack Nicholson, too. which I think would have been too, too clearly a bad guy and maybe i'm just colored by having seen him in the shining and seeing how clearly he can be a bad guy yeah because that whole movie you just like he's an evil person yeah but i think he would have been a little too much in this role yeah funny thing do you know why he didn't get robert redford to do this movie yeah. paramount was suing robert redford at the time they'd like just served robert redford with a lawsuit uh, so he's like i'm not the auditioning for any paramount movies right now no but guy woodhouse could have been robert redford um, but I, it's hard. It's hard to imagine Robert Redford playing a bad actor, though. <laughs> yeah. And though I had
1: a hunch that something was up with Guy, I I think generally the viewer would probably not suspect anything until like later on in the movie, because he does seem pretty, you know, supportive to a degree, innocent enough. Yeah. You know, like you may just think, oh, okay, yeah, like his, you know, arch nemesis arrival, like just got yeah. blind out of chance, and here he is getting his big break. Yeah. But as like the movie unravels, you start to see this. Bizarre loyalty. Yeah. Uh, that guy like, has to the to cast all these of things vets.
0: that sound very clearly like a bad idea yeah. that are coming from the cast of yeah. vets. He is just so deferential yeah. too. So but kind of before we get there, there is a really good scene that I don't know if you remember, because again, you're seeing it for the first time. I was specifically looking for it, where they have the Castavets over to dinner and mini vets, I think she spills some cake or something like that, and goes to the goes to the um kitchen to do dishes. Rosemary comes with her yeah while they're in the kitchen is when Roman pitches guy to do this to to get rosemary pregnant by the devil yeah, and that's when the plan kind we of we don't ever unfolds. see that though. That's never in the movie, but if you look at when Minnie Castavets and uh, and Rosemary walk back into the room, Roman pops right up. Right, he's like kind of the de- almost kind of like defensive of the room around him, and Guy is just like lost in a trance. Castavetes, does or the guy, the actor that plays Guy, does this incredible job of having this facial expression. It's only in a corner of the shot because the most of the shot is. Minnie and Rosemary coming back into the room and Roman greeting them. But if you keep your eye on Guy, he has just had a bomb dropped on him. But it's like a real passing thing that I did not realize the first time And that's saw. what I
1: caught and that's what I knew. I was like okay something. You caught that? I was like something just went yeah. down here. I wasn't sure what but then as the movie went forward I went back to that part. I was like oh that's when he that's when Guy made the agreement yeah. to have his wife be impregnated by Satan. So yeah. essentially so that that's what happened.
0: Suddenly the next day Guy is very eager to have a baby.
1: Yeah and yeah. mind you Guy volunteers Rosemary to birth satan's child without yep. consulting rosemary so Making we have another kind of husband. like the omen another like shady behind yeah. the scenes transaction without running and this is obviously yeah. different in a way but like kind of similar in terms of just like i'm just gonna like you know make this decision for you and yeah. like hope you don't figure it out so yeah mrs castavet gives rosemary that charm necklace that Teresa yeah. had, and rosemary Initially, he's like, oh, this is kind of odd. Like, this is the same charm necklace. And then she just eventually accepts yeah. it and starts wearing it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Like, but then you but start you to. You know what the thing is, though? Yeah.
0: The cast of vets are just weird enough and just friendly enough that, like, that's a. That is, in any other circumstances, you'd be like, that is crazy. Don't give me this weird thing. They make but you like, feel like oh my it's God, okay. It's the, the goofy cast of it's yeah. giving me some tannis root. Yeah, the heck is tannis root? Yeah, and he, and and they they prime her with. I assuming they're like priming her with that tannis root.
1: They are, and they're also. Uh... Well, this is actually after Rosemary gets pregnant, but they're making her these shakes. They're yeah. like really attentive, yeah. and they That's have the her.
0: the food from the food from the Castevets is very important in this movie because I can't remember if they go over there for dinner or whatever. But somehow the Woodhouses end up eating chocolate moose yeah. from the cast of vets in their kitchen, and guys downing it, whatever. He's you know just shoveling it in, and he's very very insistent about eating this moose. Yeah, and he got to eat this moose and she um she doesn't like it. She says it has an undertaste. And yeah. while guy walks out of the room at one point, she offloads all of her mousse into her napkin and only eats, you know, a small portion of the mousse that guy was trying to get her to
1: eat. Yeah, she described it as a chalky undertaste. And yeah. this whole like chalky, this reference to like chalk like or chalky flavored stuff like kind of appears a lot through this movie. But yeah. so after eating that mousse, she starts to feel off and she passes out pretty much yeah and then this is that really trippy disturbing scene where she she thinks she's dreaming at first and then kind of towards the end she's like oh no this is really happening but in this dream a bunch of the tenants who are all you know probably like 65 and over who live in this building are around her they're all naked yeah she's in bed and there's this Like beast creature that's pretty much impregnating her, yeah, on top of her, and
0: she's either tied down or she's like in a state of paralysis, kind of,
1: yeah. And then towards the end, you're like, again, towards the end, she realizes, hey, this doesn't feel like a dream. This actually may be happening. So you wake, she wakes up. Did you
0: realize that uh, Roman, Minnie, and Guy have a conversation in that scene?
1: No. Yeah, it
0: happens so quickly. Again, not something I caught yeah. the first time around. Guy's actually saying to Minnie at one point while the incantations are happening yeah. and the scene's really kind of beautiful the way that it's like constantly being over like layered with like different images and colors. So it really feels like a fever dream. Guy says something to Minnie like I think she can see, like I think she knows what's going on, and she she goes, nah, if he ate the moose, he he can't. She she doesn't know what's going on at all. She won't remember a thing." And guys, like ah, I don't know, and guys guys completely naked. And he's there next to Minnie, who's completely na- naked yeah. with Roman. But uh, it is yeah. So she so she up. actually they make it seem like she kind of sees that, but he's able to persuade her uh, otherwise. Really, the next. Yeah. Uh, the next day.
1: He is a good actor, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not quite good enough because the next morning she wakes up and she sees scratch marks on her and mm-hmm. she's like, Oh, that's odd. And then Guy tries to explain it. They're it was, big, they're like
0: they're her whole back down her side.
1: Yeah, and he tries to explain it as though like he needs to cut his nails and it was him that mm-hmm. like made the marks. And then he pretty much flat out says... Yep. Um, yeah, I know where you're going with this. He pretty much admits <laughs> to raping her. Yeah. To raping her while she was unconscious. Yeah. And it's just glossed over and accepted. And this was this movie was made at a time where marital rape wasn't criminalized. Yeah, So it's interesting because I've never seen this movie until now. And just seeing that part was really disturbing to me and really messed up. And yeah. that he kind of just makes this explanation that... Oh, you know, I was a little loaded myself, you know, and like that justifies it and makes it okay. Um, and she just kind of is like, "Well, we could have waited till tomorrow," but like, doesn't? Yeah. You know, it's it's not a, a discussion, and it's just interesting yeah. that this was made in the time where you know maybe there wasn't much discussion of this. I don't it's, know. But I think it's one, one of those a, things that it makes was a this movie. Tough scene.
0: Yeah, it's a tough scene, and he really just kind of talks her out of it that anything. Untorted happen, happened and it's very clear she doesn't feel uh empowered to tell him how upset she is by this
1: yeah it, it's a bizarre ridiculous scene in a way yeah. but um so ultimately though rose mary finds out that she's pregnant yeah she's really excited about it and this is when you know the cast of vets get like a little too involved like, yeah. they're really helpful but yeah. to a <laughs> an overly helpful degree yeah. where it starts to just well, make her first, question
0: first They've got an OBGYN for. Her. Yeah. Dr. Saperstein.
1: Dr. Saperstein, who's in on this whole sadistic plot to get um, Rosemary. But, but we don't
0: know that we i mean maybe you would suspect that but there's a good alibi i'm gonna call it an alibi overlap with dr saperstein because if you look at rosemary's uh, character and trying to like watch her go through this and figure out how she should have figured out that this was happening right it's very clear that guy is being way too too deferential to the cast of vets and the cast of vets are there's definitely something wrong there. She they're they're telling her weird things. They recommended Dr. Saperstein, so it makes sense to her that Dr. Saperstein is probably part of the problem. However, do you remember like somewhere in the middle of the movie they touch base with Hutch. And Hutch is like, oh, my God, you don't look good. What's going on? And she starts telling him, I, you know, I'm taking food from the cast events. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not taking my normal pills like most pregnant women do. Like, whatever. And she, he's like, who is your doctor? And Hutch said, or she says, Dr. Saperstein. And Hutch knows him because this doctor, who we don't realize is part of this satanic cult, is, like, apparently pretty well respected in New York. And what doesn't Hutch do? not know. Yeah. he's just he knows, a well he's got of his, his ear to the street
1: um so again uh it made
0: me for a second worry that hutch was actually part of the cult uh, but because okay. that's I, I remember being like i can't figure this out like yeah. it's clear dr Saperstein is bad but hutch likes him and then you just, i just didn't really realize like oh the premise of this movie is this this these people are in your city in my city in our city. Like they're out there and they're trying to raise yeah. the devil and nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: Hutch's motives are very pure <laughs> throughout the movie. Yes, that is true. Um, so there's this scene where, uh, Rosemary just starts to eat liver, just raw liver. And, and actually Mia Farrow is a vegetarian during oh, really? the filming like this. So she was eating real, you know, raw meat, um, yeah. during the scenes. Um, so she's looking really pale. She's not, you know, gaining weight. Uh, she's, you know, not looking healthy. And there's a lot of comments about that. There's a ton of comments about her haircut, though. Yeah. Which I don't understand. But I'm curious to hear what your take on it is. It is. is it's. it's there, she gets this, you know, really short haircut. Yeah. And there's all these really crappy comments about you look great. It's a haircut that looks awful. And these comments are coming from Guy. He actually says it's the worst mistake you've ever made. (laughs) Even even good old Hutch says (laughs) Wait, so Rosemary, when Hutch walks in says, do I look that bad? And Sweet, innocent Hutch goes, terrible. You look
0: terrible.
1: (laughs) There's like all these
0: comments about the hair. I think he's talking about her demeanor. Uh, No, it's about the hair though. Okay, so here's what I know about the hair. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: I also did not understand this. Uh, This is what I've come to to understand is what she says is, I got the haircut from Vidal Sassoon, the very famous stylist that like we now know mostly people that aren't in the fashion world or hair world or whatever would know him because like, Oh, like the, the hair care, products yeah, like hair so. care products. That p- cut was made popular in the mid to late '60s. Like, it's from what I understand that people thought that that haircut was from this movie. He did. He he, Vidal Sassoon. This I think it's called a pixie cut or this very short cut. Um, he, I guess he is a stylist made it very popular in the late sixties. So what I'm guessing is that was like a little bit of like talking to the current or audience back then. Like suddenly I think a lot of women were cutting their hair short like that and it was probably not super well received. And to the extent that some people even thought, oh, you've got the Mia Farrow haircut from Rosemary's baby.
1: The only thing I could think of is that it, there was these like antiquated beliefs of, you know, women have to have long hair. It's more Ooh, feminine. It's the only it. thing I was able to think of as to why they had that response. But yeah. I was like, your haircut looks fine. Like, why are we focusing <laughs> so much? Like, yeah. if anything, like, you're looking really pale and, yeah. you know,
0: unhealthy. Like, maybe
1: we should focus on that instead yeah.
0: of We <laughs> have hair. Uh, traditional female and male gender roles abound in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. Did you at any point in watching the movie consider that it wasn't happening that it was that it was she was making this up in her mind because apparently the book reads a lot more straightforward and when roman polanski did the screenplay one of the things he wanted to do is like leave this kind of lingering well maybe kind of like this ambiguity in the viewer's mind that like maybe she is Like, maybe she's, like, making this up. Maybe this isn't, like, some big conspiracy, or maybe there's just a more reasonable explanation. Did you ever entertain that, or were the whole time you are like, nah, devil shit? (laughs) No, it definitely crossed my mind, because
1: I I think it's, it's weirder to think it would be, you know, a satanic cult that was orchestrating all this. I I think it definitely ran through my mind at one point, like, oh, maybe she's just, like, losing her mind, or, like, it's in her head. But then... That quickly went out because I sort of yeah. knew like what the movie's about. And yeah. I knew that. so Rosemary really starts things. She pieces things together. So yeah. Hutch unfortunately dies, and then he leaves her this book about like witchcraft mm-hmm. and who he, and who. He, materi-
0: he like really mysteriously fall, falls ill because she's. I think she's supposed to meet him or, or something yeah. happens and all of a sudden he's not available um, and he dies and it's really sad. That that's at the point that you probably couldn't have doubted it anymore. Whether or not like something evil was afoot. Yeah, you like, knew something was Hush up. getting knocked out of the situation because he was too... di- he was digging too closely yeah. and got a little too. You know what I thought of when I rewatched this? Completely forgot this should have been on one of our movies with a book.
1: I know. Uh, I thought list. the exact same the thing. Because
0: the books, se- one of the scariest movie scenes in the movie is with the book
1: when she has Roman that epiphany with the book
0: because the, so the the anagram. book is called All of Them Witches. Yeah, and there's a note in it from him that says the name is an anagram so she takes scrabble letters i'm getting chills talking about it she takes scrabble letters and lays out all of them witches and just starts spelling shit and because at this point she uh, she's already had this party with her friends or a party's like something is wrong there's just weird amount of like aggressiveness from dr saperstein about like don't You listen to what anybody else might have to say about pregnancy, like only listen to me. Well, it's more
1: so that she's in deep, deep, excruciating pain. Yeah, and the doctor's not helping her. So her friends naturally are like, maybe you should see a different doctor (laughs) because you should not be in this much pain. Speaking of which, I
0: watched this movie with my very pregnant girlfriend. Uh, who I can only imagine how scary this would be to you for the first time if you were pregnant. Well, that's why I picked this movie, because <laughs> I thought it was very it. timely yeah. that yeah. you're going to be
1: a father soon. Yeah. So. Um,
0: there's all this indicia that something is wrong, so she's resorting to anything. So she takes this book that the passed away Hutch l- l- leaves her, she starts spilling out all of them witches in a different way because it's an anagram, and none of them really make anything. So she starts flipping through the book, And notice that a page is turned and in that book we see uh, an excerpt of something that uh, Hutch told her about earlier one of the names of the people that is of unknown whereabouts that was part of this satanic cult and witchcraft family that came through the hotel his name is Steven Mercado and she looks on the page and Steven is underlined and that's where she goes. Hutch did all the work for her. Touch did the way. all the work. He oh. gave her like the Spark
1: Notes version of that book. He like highlighted, underlined everything. Um yeah, so she pieces the, the tiles together. Yeah, to say Stephen Mercado. And then and lo and behold, it's Roman Castavet. That's what I the, love yeah. that she has the Scrabble tiles. Like I love that Scrabble makes an appearance in this movie.
0: Yeah. Um I It's just like such a it from a, again, like <laughs> From a filmmaking standpoint, there's a bunch of things in this movie that are super cool. And watching a character who's fearing for her life, fearing for her baby's life, try to find the answer in Scrabble Tiles is anxiety-inducing. It is just... And then she figures it out. She does it. And it is just... It's one of those scenes that you're like, this is why it's one of the most famous horror movies that it's uh, that, ever been. So from there, she takes off and she goes to... Um, Dr. Hill. Yeah, Dr. Hill. But before she does that, though, there's this
1: famous scene where she's just kind of disheveled out of her mind a little bit and walking into traffic. Yeah. And I realized that that was actually real traffic. So in the movie, they didn't have, you know, some people behind cars. It wasn't like an orchestrated, well-planned-out scene where, like, it was all, like, rehearsed. She's actually... Mia Farrow is actually walking out in the traffic. And Roman Polanski told her that Oh you know you're a pregnant woman in this scene so no one's going to hit you so yeah. she like I guess blindly followed those instructions and of course like it worked out but And that's pretty ridiculous
0: He personally shot it too yeah, because he, he was able scene. to convince her to do it, but he could not convince the film crew to walk into New York City. It's traffic. It's not worth my life. <laughs> yeah. to get no, the scene. You know what it is, though. It's a great shot. Like you really get this like panicked anxiety that she has. Like as she she's she's so consumed by this fear that she walks through New York City traffic unfettered and gets real horns hogged at her. Um, Another thing – we'll take a quick diatribe from the plot, talk a little bit about Mia Farrow in this movie because this was a pretty interesting time in Mia Farrow's life.
1: Mia Farrow
0: was married to Frank Sinatra who interestingly compared to her character Rosemary. So the actor that plays uh, Guy Woodhouse – who I think his name is John Cassavetes. He's much older than Mia Farrow. Um, And I think they play up... They make them seem closer in age a little bit in the movie. But in real life, that actor is significantly older than, than she is. And in real life, her marriage to Frank Sinatra... Frank Sinatra was in his 50s, and she was in her 20s. And apparently, while they were married, he was... Not super interested in like her pursuing her acting career. Wanted her to give it up. She decides, I'm getting bored of not doing anything. I'm going out for this movie. She gets the movie. Frank Sinatra is not happy about it. Casts her in a movie that he does later called The Detective. And the movie runs long in filming. This movie went like way over the amount of time and the budget that the studio had projected for it. And because the filming goes long, she is late. To she can't go start filming the Frank Sinatra movie. So Frank Sinatra decided he's had it. He divorces her. He has his divorce attorney serve her with papers on set in the middle of a scene in front of the cast and
1: crew. That so, is
0: that is some savagery from Frank Sinatra. She got divorced. And uh, he, during apparently she filming. even says now that they are they got along to this day. And I was like, man, that's a, a savage way to serve divorce yeah. papers. Somebody keep in touch. I'm with, glad but, she was
1: like, screw you. Like, yeah, I'm doing. And actually, I think she thought about leaving the movie but she was convinced to stay on and good thing she did because this is one of if not her most iconic role yeah so rosemary she suspects that hey something's going on here i'm not feeling right everyone is acting really off um she reads the witchcraft book so she goes see dr hill she confides in dr hill she like tells him what's going on and that freaking doctor (laughs) totally betrays her gets dr saperstein in gets guy in they take her away and uh, at that point, that I was like, "Oh wow, she may actually may like escape this and get out of this." Doctor Hill's on she... her side, and then
0: no, he's... that screws her over. By the way, did you recognize the doctor? No. His name's Charles Grodin. You don't know you know him, or yeah, Grodin. Do you know what you know him from? No. He's it? the dad in Beethoven.
1: Oh, a really? Very, very
0: young, the dad for Beethoven. Very
1: good looking, yeah. In uh, this movie, I was actually wondering who he was. Yeah. That's the dad. It's
0: the Charles Grodin. He's ah. the dad in Beethoven. He did that? a lot of other things in his career, but for people that are thirty-one years old, if you're like that guy, looks familiar. Beethoven that's was his weird. finest role. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So anyway, she lays down. She's like, "I'm safe." Us as the viewer, we go, She's safe. Yeah. And she wakes up she ain't none safe, other Frank. the doctor's Aberstina guy coming through the door with a tranquilizer. And they have this kind of conversation when they leave. Um, where I don't think Dr. Hill was in the coven, do you? I don't think so. I think
1: it was more so he, he thought, thought she, she was, was unstable yeah. and she needed help, and I'm gonna call her husband because yeah. she's because that's
0: what you did back then. Yeah, which is, called the husband, not the police. Which
1: is so messed up. Yeah. But, uh, so
0: she gets brought home. Yeah. From by guy and um, you know Dr. Saperstein, and then I can't remember. Does she immediately go into labor? It's
1: pretty much. I think it's like the stress of the situation. She yeah. actually goes into labor um, and uh, she gives birth, but she has this traumatic labor. Wakes up the next morning or so and is told that the baby died. And she hears crying, though, through the walls, realizes that, huh, interesting, I'm hearing a baby cry. Maybe my baby actually isn't dead. But she's able to get up and kind of investigate this baby crying. And this is such an epic, you know, famous scene, I think, is the end of the movie where she is exploring this, like, hidden room. Um, behind their apartment. Yeah, so
0: that's something we come to realize earlier in the movie. And there's great foreshadowing to it in the first act. Because we come to learn that the apartment that they live in was actually one big space at one point. And has since been compartmentalized into apartments. And their apartment at one point was connected to the cast of Vets. And, but when they show the apartment, there's this huge chest in front of this uh, closet that they pull out. And they see there's a closet behind them. They're like, well, that's weird. Why would you cover a closet with an armoire? Um, later in the movie, and this is what happens, she goes into labor and she's able to lock herself in the house, but somehow they're able to get in. How are they able to get in? There is a door in the back of the closet in their hallway to the cast of apartment. So we see this later in the movie when Rosemary's like, I'm here and a baby, and she sneaks through the hallway and she pops the door open in the back of their closet. And she walks into this room that is filled with what we now realize is all the naked people from the sex fever dream she has. They're fully clothed though. in this They're the fully city. clothed in fully this clothed. one. Um, it's those folks. And there's a, a picture all of
1: chilling in the parlor, yeah. and you see this bassinet with this. So she's making Rosemary's making her way with the knife in her hand. She's yeah. Like what is going on here? Like what is happening? And at the end, she sees this bassinet, um, and this you know this black uh, sort of drape veil over it and is like oh is that is that my baby and looks at the baby and that's (laughs) her reaction when she sees the baby she freaks out because she's like what did you do to this you know what did you do the eyes like why are the eyes that way it is
0: one of those things that they the you know the, the sex uh the impregnation by the devil that they allow to happen to her that scene is a lot of like quick cuts but one thing we get to see is the devil's eyes and you know he's got you know horror contacts in like his eyes are his eyes are dark and weirdly shaped or whatever and and we get that she sees that in the baby and she's like
1: those aren't guys eyes why are his eyes that way and Roman's like like,
0: guys not the baby's father surprise (laughs) (laughs)
1: you are not the father (laughs) it's very maury it's like satan is the father
0: (laughs) yeah Um, they're super happy about it and like and they start talking to her like you should be happy about this too because obviously they're in a satanist cult they just reincarnated the devil. They are super excited. And then Roman Cassavet says something
1: really ages. He's like, the women here are too old. They can't mother her. So we yeah. need you to mother her. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know she's like the natural mother, but like these other ladies, like they could very well like still take care of this kid if they need to. But, yeah. um, but yeah. ultimately though, like Rosemary... At first, she's shocked and kind of horrified and appalled. And then yeah. at the end, it just focuses, the camera just focuses on her face. And you sort of see her come around a little yeah. bit where she starts to maybe think, okay, like, I can make this work. You know, I'm like, feeling the,
0: it, 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 at it, some point, you just got to go, like, this is my life now. You know what I mean? Like, I think with any sort of traumatic event, like, at some point, you decide okay this is what my life is like post this post this traumatic event i've baby satan the baby, is, yeah, child and the I'm baby gonna... is screaming the satan baby is screaming literally not a satan kid like in babadook an actual satan kid
1: um so yeah that's how it ends yeah and it, it's a really cool ending because you see this slight transformation in rosemary yeah. but you don't really know where it's gonna go so yeah. Um,
0: I love that they never made a sequel to this. And there was like a there was a TV Oh they did. There was like a TV sequel. It was a TV sequel. And then the author Ira Levin wrote a sequel I think it was called The Son of Rosemary. Um, but neither of them, like, none of them really, like, blew up and became a big thing. There was, like, a TV sequel in 2014 with, I think, Zoe Saldana Yeah, it was a remake. It was a miniseries. I I didn't see it either. It wasn't particularly popular. I mean,
1: yeah, probably not because I haven't heard much about it. But it's one of those movies that I think is really important to see because it is so iconic in so many ways. It's a really cool story that dives into, you know the occult and, and, and these Satan worshippers And it actually influenced a lot of other movies, such as The Exorcist, The Omen. They yeah. all kind of came out after Which this. Which
0: apparently the author felt kind of... I, I don't think the author is particularly religious one way or another. But apparently he felt kind of bad like going forward he's like i've really just kind of excited this whole like satanist thing in filmmakers and storytellers and he's not a satanist or something yeah. like that so he felt um kind of weird about it the other thing that's interesting about this movie is this is one of those movies everybody says is cursed um a bunch of bad stuff happened to all a number of people in the movie um Castle the I guess the producer or the guy that the the guy that buys the script before the book is even out he dies a very early death of stroke at 63 um Roman Polanski's wife was killed by the Manson cult um Mia Farrow has apparently experienced some tragedies in her life um Evans, the producer on the movie, survived three strokes and has been accused of murder. And, of course, John Lennon uh, John Lennon was killed in front of the building of this movie. Oh, the guy that, com- that produced that uh, Rosemary's Baby Lullaby, which, by the way, do you realize that's Mia Farrow singing it? Uh, I could see that now Yeah, I, if I thought of that. Yeah, the so the composer that made that song died an extremely mysterious death. He fell off a cliff in Los Angeles. Huh. So, this is a movie that has not only like all-world kind of praise, but also just yeah. a lot of creepy things about it. Yeah. Um, so, the two big questions, I guess. First of all, and, and I don't know, I, I think this is an interesting episode to try these questions out. First of all, was it scary?
1: Uh, was it scary? I think there were some scary moments.
0: Yeah. Definitely. But yeah. it's really not a scary movie like, in the way that the first two movies we've done, Child's Play and Duke*, are, like, scary movies. Like, there's, it's like, some jump scares, and of, it's there's... It's
1: more of, like, a psychologically scary movie. Like, it's not, you know, slasher scary or, you know, like, jumping out of your seat scary yeah. or bloody gory scary. It's more of just, like, a unease... It's scary, like, I think you said something before about, like, these people in your lives who are actually, like... Have these sinister motives and that's kind of scary to think about like, Oh, like the sweet older neighbor down yeah. the hall, like, you know, yeah. they're actually up to something really, you know, bad. Um, but I think like being in that situation is scary. Like if you put yourself in her shoes, like there's probably a lot of fears of being pregnant, you know, as yeah. a whole. And then you had oh, this man. whole added element, like,
0: what (laughs) so um yeah i I think it's definitely scary it's more the way you think of hitchcock movies being um horror movies it's like it's the tension build it's the kind of the the thing and then this one has a great payoff with the the satanic cult in the end Uh, and the second question is so i guess my answer to uh is it scary is sort of it's it's not scary like a scary movie by today's standards but the premise of what happening is happening is super scary um, and it's presented in a very scary way, and then the movie ends so sharply—no sequel, no explanation, no—and then they raise the baby as the devil. It just ends. Yeah. And uh, well, there is
1: a sequel though, but yeah. I don't know what happens. It's in not it.
0: like a—it's—it's ri- it's not a sequel. Movie, though. It's, it's a TV, TV sequel. show. That's what. Yeah, up. I don't count that. But
1: Mrs. Castavet returns as her character, and she actually won an Oscar oh, yeah. for this movie, by the way. Oh yes, yeah. yes, so her so name she is got Ruth, an Oscar. Something. Yeah. Ruth, um, gordon won an academy award yeah and uh, for best
0: supporting actress this movie got nominated for all sorts of stuff so, so it, was, it was well received at the time too and it did pretty well it had a 3.2 million dollar budget and it did 33.4 in box office and is on yeah. every horror movie ranked list ever and then would i recommend it i, I obviously would recommend this movie i hope everybody watched it before they listen would you recommend it to oh, yeah, people totally yeah. yeah it's definitely worth checking out yeah. um yeah but uh it's yeah great, it's a great so, film that's what we felt about Roseberry's baby. Um, I think. I think before we get out of here, though, we have one more segment. Yeah. This is it? gonna be. Possibly a new recurring segment?
1: Yeah, I want to make this a thing, Frank. So uh, it's called Scare Are They Now? Scare
0: Are They Now? <laughs> so
1: I want to focus on an actor from these movies and just kind of say or, or dive into what they've been doing since the movie came out. Okay. So are they still acting? Are they doing something different? What happened in their career? Who um, do we got tonight? So today I want to look at Mia Farrow, actually. So okay. she, um, as you know, plays Rosemary in the movie. Um, is still a really popular person in in the spotlight. She does more so humanitarian work now. She's a UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador. Um, What I thought was really interesting, though, is that her sister is named Prudence Farrow. And Prudence is the subject of Dear Prudence, the song by the Beatles. So that is a fun little fact for you. But um, one interesting role she took in 2006 was she played the uh nanny in the omen remake. So another oh, really? another kind of, you know, oh, devilish yeah. movie dealing Ooh, with was the supernatural. styles is in that Julia styles, yeah. yeah. So um it's interesting how it kind of came, I don't know, full circle in some way. But <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, on that note, yeah. happy Halloween! Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at Horror on the Rocks. We're on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, we are uh, Stitcher, Google Play. If there's anywhere yeah. that you guys know of that you get your podcast from and we're not on one of them, tell us so we can get ourselves on there. Thanks for listening. Yeah, happy thanks. Halloween. Have a great Halloween, folks. <laughs> Don't eat too much candy.